My name is Ian, and sometimes I really, really love being the minister of CBC. And when I am at my best, I actually think I can be the minister of Crawley Baptist Church. But my name is Ian, and I am not always at my best. And then I struggle. Why I sometimes am at my best and why I'm only sometimes not is the story of my life, but it's not the whole story. My name is Ian and I am a leader. How I came to be a leader, why I mostly wish I wasn't a leader, why I sometimes do it well, is the story of my life. But it's not the whole story. My name is Ian, and as the minister of Crawley Baptist Church, I face lots of challenges. How I deal with those challenges, how I sometimes rise to them with vigor and confidence, how I sometimes shrink back from them and hide, is the story of my life. But it's not the whole story. My name is Ian, and mostly I want to be the hero of the story that I am writing. Why I want to be the hero... Why I want to be writing the story and why mostly it gets me into trouble is the story of my life. But it's not the whole story. My name is Ian and I am a sinner saved by grace and that is the bigger and far more important story. And God, only God, knows the whole story. And I would do well to live in the truth of God's bigger story. If you have a Bible, which I hope you do, turn to Elijah, uh, sorry, 2 Kings chapter 6. And I'm going to read from verse 8. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king, so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, some said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he is in Dothan. There he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. He is a servant of the man of God called Elisha. He hasn't always been the servant of the man of God. How he came to be a servant, how he came to be here is the story of his life. But it's not the whole story. He is a servant of the man of God and he seeks to follow the God of Elisha. He hasn't always followed Elisha's God. Why he once didn't follow God, how he came to follow him is the story of of his life, but it's not the whole story. He is a servant to Elisha, the man of God. He hasn't always been a servant to Elisha. 
But how he came to be is the story of his life. But it's not the whole story. He is a servant of the man of God. Sometimes he acts with great courage and confidence and he can follow where God leads. Sometimes he cannot because he is paralyzed by fear. Why he sometimes has great courage and yet at times is filled with fear is the story of his life. But it's not the whole story. He is a servant of the man of God who is greatly loved by the God he serves. And that is the bigger and far more important story. And God, only God, knows the whole story. And the servant of the man of God would do well to live in the truth of God's bigger and better story. My name is Elisha, and I am a prophet of the living God. I haven't always been a prophet. How I came to be a prophet is the story of my life. But it's not the whole story. My name is Elisha, and I used to play uh, in my father's fields as a farmer. Why I was a farmer, why I'm not a farmer anymore, is the story of my life. But it's not the whole story. My name is Elisha and I was called by God to follow the great prophet Elijah. How Elijah found me, why he placed his cloak around me and why I followed is the story of my life. But it's not the whole story. My name is Elisha and some kings ask for my help. Why some kings seek my help and others try to kill me is the story of my life. But it's not the whole story. I am Elisha, chosen and loved by the living God. That is the bigger and far more important story. And God, only God, knows the whole story. I live at my best when I live in the truth of God's bigger story. My servant sometimes needs to be reminded of God's bigger and better story. My servant sometimes needs to be reminded that he does not see the whole story. So on this day, as we face the army of the king of Aram, I pray that God will be gracious to my servant and meet him in his fear. I pray that God would open the eyes of my servant so that he would see and be reminded that he is part of a bigger and better story. And I pray that just for a minute at least, my faithful servant would see what God sees. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning... An army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, "Open open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. 
What a wonderful, powerful reminder that we mostly do not see what God can see. What a wonderful, powerful reminder of the truth that there is a bigger and better story of which we are part. And here's another wonderful reminder. You might like to turn to Matthew chapter 28. These words will be very familiar to you. Matthew chapter 28, reading from verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. This is a wonderful, powerful invitation to be part of God's bigger and better story. Jesus himself, the king of the universe, invites us to participate in what he has just spent his whole life doing. Jesus came because he is part of God's bigger and better story. He spent his earthly life showing us what it means to be part of God's bigger and better story. Jesus said he didn't do anything that wasn't part of God's bigger and better story. In what is universally regarded as one of the greatest pieces of teaching ever, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, I think Jesus is inviting us to see the world the way he sees the world. He sits on a hillside and he looks around at the crowd gathered around him. And as he speaks, he turns their world upside down. And he turns upside down the way that people see themselves. To those who think they've got it all sorted and they are in, he says, the kingdom of heaven is not like that. To those who think they have no place in the kingdom of the heavens, he says, you are most welcome. In fact, you are blessed because God's bigger and better story is for people just like you. In the middle of his teaching, Jesus says that if we see the world the way he sees the world, then we have no need to worry. In fact, it's even better than that. He says, if you see the world the way he sees the world, you will know that with God... The universe is a perfectly safe place to be. Now that's got your mind going, hasn't it? How do you place that statement? And this is not in the script, so if you're following the script, you need to look up now. How do you place that statement into the week we've just experienced? I will preach only that of which I am convinced. I am convinced, because Jesus said so, that with God, the universe is a perfectly safe place to be. Now, you need to go away and wrestle with that. I think I know what that means for me. It does not say that what happened last week doesn't matter. Of course it does. It does not say that things like last week can just carry on and it doesn't matter. Of course it doesn't. 
What it says is there is one who is here to kill, steal and destroy and he's doing it quite well in places. And he's doing it because people's hearts aren't turned to him. And still the best explanation I've ever heard of what happened on September 11, 2001, which actually is true of pretty much everything else that ever happened like that, is that that's the kind of thing that happens when God takes his hand off. And God takes his hand off when our hearts are not turned towards him. Because God will only come when he is invited. But with God, the universe is a perfectly safe place to be. Ecclesiastes says, everybody's going to die. Have you figured that out yet? Everybody's going to die, but wise people think about that. That's not a morbid statement. It's a statement to recognize the truth of what Jesus says here, that with God, the universe is a perfectly safe place to be. Because there is a bigger and better story. The tragedy of the last week or so is that most people don't know the bigger and better story. You need to go away and wrestle with it, friends. And you need to wrestle with it because if you don't, your faith will crumble. I say that with all sincerity. You can't just hang on to the good bits. You've got to wrestle with the difficult bits. And go and test out what Jesus himself says. That he came to show you a bigger and better story. And when you place yourself in that bigger and better story, and I'm jumping to the end now, then that is the best place to be. Back to the script. When Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he tells them to begin with these words, Our Father in the heavens. That's not what you read in the Bible, but it's the same translation. Our Father in heaven, our Father in the heavens, same thing. Actually, literal translation could be, our Father in the heavens. This is to remind us that God is closer than we think. God is present here and now. God is as close as the air we breathe. God's bigger and better story is not the story of a God who is distant and detached, although sometimes it appears like that, but the story of the God who is all around us. One day, a synagogue leader named Jairus came to Jesus and asked him to heal his dying daughter. Jesus was on his way to the house when something extraordinary happened. Suddenly, in the crush of the crowd, Jesus stops and says, Who touched me? What kind of question is that? There are lots of people touching him. He's in a crowd. But Jesus sees it differently. No, someone touched me, for power has gone out of me. Then out of the crowd steps an old woman, trembling. She knows she's been caught and she can't hide from Jesus. So she owns up and says she touched his robe. But she tells Jesus that though she's been ill for a long time, she's now been healed. Jesus tells her that the kingdom of the heavens, God's biggest story, is for people just like her. Actually, he says, daughter, your faith has healed you Go in peace. But in truth, it's the same thing. Then, just as someone arrives to say, Jairus' daughter is dead, so there's no point going to the house anymore. Jesus tells them the girl is simply sleeping, so he goes anyway. On arriving, Jesus takes her by the hand and invites her to get up. So she does. What happens when something dirty touches something clean? Well, we all know the answer to that, don't we? What is clean becomes dirty. 
Well, that's what Levitical law says, that every time something clean touches something dirty, the clean thing becomes dirty. And Leviticus, if ever you've read it, is full of rituals to follow to make yourself clean after touching something dirty. There's a whole book on it. Go read it. What happens when something dirty meets the living God? Uh, Well, look at the story Luke tells. A woman suffering bleeding and a dead girl are both dirty. They are unclean. When an unclean woman touches Jesus, that should make Jesus unclean. What is shocking is that Jesus says she is clean and immediately. The law says she's not clean for seven days and then she has to go and offer two doves for a sacrifice on the eighth day. Jesus says, no, it happened now. Jesus says, go in peace. When Jesus touches the hand of a dead girl, he should become unclean. The law says that when something dirty touches something clean, it is always, always the clean that becomes dirty. But Jesus changes things. He reverses the order and dirty things become clean. And friends, we would do well to live in the truth of the kingdom of the heavens. We would do well to live in the truth of God's bigger and better story. Jesus' last words before his ascension into heaven invite us to live his adventure. Jesus' last words, which I just read to you, are the greatest challenge ever given. And they are given by the greatest person who ever lived. No matter how wealthy, how famous, how brilliant or how powerful you may become, you will never get a better invitation to this life-changing one that Jesus extends to you and me. No matter how many honours you get, and we love honours, don't we? We pile them on. How many awards, how many achievements we make amass in our lifetime. Nothing can compare with Jesus' invitation to participate with him in God's bigger story. We have been invited, friends, to make God's bigger and better story known. The story that Jesus came to show, the truth about him... That changes everything. The truth that the lost can be found. The truth that fear can turn to peace. The truth that hatred can turn to love. The truth that the rejected can be embraced. The truth that guilt can be forgiven. The truth that despair can turn to hope. And that one is what most people in the world still need to know. That despair can become hope. Because with God, the universe is a perfectly safe place to be. And we need to be telling people, don't we? You know, this is off-piste now, right? And you can challenge me on this, not on this script. I wonder if that's our biggest challenge as a community of Crawley Baptist Church. How well are we doing the telling? We have to wrestle with that. We'll get to that in a minute. Taking up the invitation, friends, will be costly. All of, immediately, there's a whole lot of things you cannot do. And there's a whole lot of things that you probably should do. It is costly. Jesus said, 
If you want to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. But he promises that he, the king of the universe, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will be with us everywhere we go. We're going to sing that later on. And that, friends, changes everything, doesn't it? My name is Ian and I am a sinner saved by grace and I want to participate in God's bigger and far better story. Friends, how about you? In which story do you want to live? When we choose to live in the truth of God's bigger and better story, maybe people begin to see that story for themselves. This is a letter which I believe is a genuine letter written from one person to another. You know, when we met, I began to discover a new vulnerability, a warmth, and a lack of pretense that impressed me. I saw in you a thriving spirit. No signs of internal stagnation anywhere. I could tell you were a growing person, and I liked that. I saw you had strong self-esteem, not based on the fluff of self-help books, but on something a whole lot deeper. I saw that you lived by convictions and priorities, and not just by convenience, selfish pleasure, and financial gain. And I have never met anyone like that before. I felt a depth of love and concern as you listened to me and didn't judge me. You tried to understand me. You sympathized and you celebrated with me. You demonstrated kindness and generosity. And not just to me, but to other people as well. And you stood for something. You were willing to go against the grain of society and follow what you believed to be true, no matter what people said and no matter how much it cost you. And for those reasons, and for a whole host of others, I found myself really wanting what you had. Now that I've become a Christian, I wanted to write to you how grateful I am beyond words for how you lived out your Christian life in front of me. Fruitfulness on the front line. God's bigger and better story. Fruitfulness on the front line boils down to this, friends. It is living God's bigger and better story in all the places that we go. And maybe occasionally seeing what God sees. I'm Ian. And I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I want God's bigger and better story to embrace my story so that others will see and be embraced by God's story too. Amen.